Man, what a wonderful worship service. <laughs> it's awesome to be in the presence of God and just feel His presence. He's preparing us for something. And I know that the Lord would have it that way because He wants to say something this morning. And, and you know, uh, as I was praying yesterday and le- yesterday evening, the Lord emphatically led me to where he, where he wanted me to preach and what He wanted me to say. And uh, I want you to turn this morning with me to Genesis chapter 28. And we're going to read some scripture here this morning. And then I'm going to preach and just kind of refer to it. And I want to welcome all of our visitors this morning. If we have some folks, this is your first time here. We say welcome to you. If you're Spanish speaking, we say bienvenidos. Amen. Dios te bendiga. And so, um, yeah, I know a little bit of Spanish, just a little. Not a lot, but a little. Enough to get me by. But um, we have actually have translation if we uh, have somebody and they have a, we have two headsets. We can uh, put more back there if it, if it comes to where we need that. But um, we have people that will interpret during the service for Spanish-speaking other languages. I, I can't help you there. You're just going to have to pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to you by His Spirit, but unless somebody brings an interpreter. But um, we want to try to, to minister to everybody. Amen? The Word of God is to every tongue, every nation. Uh, I'm telling you, every person. And we want to make sure of that. Um, and so this morning... Reading out of Genesis chapter 28, we're going to start with verse 10. And let me pray over the word of God and then we'll read it. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come and to have worshipped you and praised you and gave you honor and glory and sung the songs of Zion. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we get into the word of God, that you will uh, help me. Lord, that you will anoint me, use me as your vessel And Lord, let the oil fall from my head down to the beard, Lord, and down to the skirts, I pray. As we come unified today to hear the word of God, we're hungry. But I pray that the spirit of God will flow through these lips, God, and that you'll make preaching effective. God, that you will uh, anoint our ears, hearts, eyes to hear, see, and feel what you want to say. And God, let the word take up root in our lives and the results be seen in the altars. And we'll give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Now it says in Genesis 28 verse 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. And the land wherein thou liest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. 
And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and said, Surely the presence, or surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. I was almost singing the song, but that's where that song was written from, that scripture. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place, not meaning in a negative way, but this is none other but the house of God. Remember that, the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth, the the tithe, unto thee. And uh, for those that say, you know, tithe is Old Testament, and and it was under the Mosaic law, Jacob was recording this, or this was written about him, Years before Moses was ever born. Before Exodus, before Leviticus, before Numbers, before Deuteronomy, before all of that. All I'm simply saying to you is that God expects us to be faithful in our giving. Because of this reason. Because when you give unto the Lord, what you're saying is that, number one, I'm going to be obedient to Him. Number two... He is relieving me or delivering me of covetousness. Now it says in chapter 31, we're going to read one verse. Verse 13. Genesis 31, 13. He said, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowedest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thine kindred. Go over to chapter 35. So Jacob was at Bethel, or he came to that place of encounter with God. And God reminded him of that place. And then in chapter 35, after a lifetime of events that took place, God told him, Get your backside back there. This is what it says. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hands, and all the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him, and he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, 
because their their God because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alan Bakuth. And God appeared unto Jacob again. He always appears to you again or meets you again. When he came out of Padanaram and blessed him, and God said unto him, Thy name is, call, is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel. God gave him a name change. Shall be thy name, and he called his name Israel. And we know that's because he prevailed with God and he prevailed with man. If you're right with God, I can tell you God will give you the power to make to preach to people the word of life that they can become right with God. And he'll give you great favor. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he, t- where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him Bethel. Actually, it was El Bethel at that time. But I want to preach to you this morning for just a little bit. Stay here with me. God led me here this morning. Last night, actually, he told me, I want you to preach that message, go back to Bethel. And he gave me some, some you know, different uh, thoughts to speak on this morning. And I pray that, and I know that God will talk to us all. God led me in this direction. And if we love God and we're born again, we will welcome such a message as this. Praise God. Because the ultimately we want to be holy people if we're Christians. We want to be righteous. We want to maintain a right relationship with God. We want our faith to be emboldened and strengthened. We want a, the fire of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Nobody wants to be a dead Christian. Because that means your name only. We want to be a, a Christian that's alive. Amen? And living life more abundantly. But when we, we, if we're born again, we want to hear such a message and we welcome it because we want revival in our soul. We want renewal and refilling. And we want fresh wind and fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Psalms 92.10, David said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Now this text from Jacob's life is important to read. And we find some things out about Jacob. And I can't go through eight or nine chapters of his life. But I can simply say this. That if you've studied the book of Genesis and Jacob's life, you know that Jacob was not a perfect man. So you know what that tells me? There's hope for every one of us. He's a God of grace and mercy. And God showed Jacob grace even after he deceived his brother and he deceived his father. And, uh, you know, if you've read the story, you know that he deceived his brother in a sense by saying, give me the birthright and I'll I'll, uh, swap it for a, you know, a pot of stew or pottage or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. It was one meal and Esau thought so little of it. He said, what's this birthright to me? I can tell you the birthright's worth a lot. Amen. 
That means God's hands upon you. That means the blessing of God's upon you. That means the favor of God's upon you. That means a lot of things. It means God's hand on you. But uh, we also know that whenever he did that, he went to Isaac and he began to receive the blessing, deceiving Isaac and saying that he was Esau when he was really Jacob. Well, all I can tell you is this. He's not a perfect man, but there's hope because God never left him. Amen. God never left him. It was in him from the very beginning to pursue after the things of God. And so Jacob was sent out to find a wife. We know uh, in, the, in the blessing that's what God began to speak through Isaac. And uh, as I was writing this down, I thought, you know, we all, must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, Isaac, uh, uh, Abraham sent out someone to bring Isaac a wife. But Isaac sent Jacob out to, to, to actually pursue God and find himself a wife. And I just believe that the Lord wants us to know today that even though we're not perfect, that he by his grace will give us the power to work and his spirit to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. If you love God, you'll tremble at his word. If you love God, you won't give up on the exercise of faith and living for God and doing everything that he says to do to be Become who he's called you to become. Amen? And God revealed himself to Jacob as he went to this place called Luz that he named Bethel. You know, uh, we go to places in our life and God makes those valleys or makes those places a blessing. Amen? He makes them a blessing. I remember being 17 and running my Honda Prelude off of the side off the road and hitting three trees and it destroyed my, my, my car and I'm sitting on the edge of that bumper but I can remember that like it was yesterday. God met me there and he said... It's time to stop running, son. It's time to listen to the voice of God and let me change your life. And what was a place of separation, God made a place called Bethel for me. We've all had places called Bethel. We've had altars where God met us. We know where God delivered us. We remember where we got filled with the Holy Ghost. God meets us at places that He doesn't want us to forget. And we all have had Bethel. But God revealed himself to Jacob at Bethel. And I love this because it reminds me of my own encounter with God. My own first experience with God. My own time of meeting my first love. And God showed me because I said, Lord, in prayer, I said, Lord, talk to me. You know, the church and the world, they, they, you know, the church needs to come back to their first love. We need to preach. Come back to your first love and he said yes that is a message that I gave to John to give to the churches in the book of Revelation he said but let me share something with you son he said there's a lot of people that cannot come back to their first love because they never met him a lot of people they never left their first love because they never had a first love in Jesus. Doesn't apply to a lot of people. They never met him yet. And so I just want to
convey to you today the heart of God. God wants to meet you. He wants to meet you at a place where you never forget that encounter. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about knowledge. It's about a heart relationship with God. There's people that have knowledge here. They have Bible knowledge or they go to church. But there's a difference between going to church, having knowledge, and, 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 and having religion and having a relationship. There are some people that will miss heaven by 18 inches from here to here. So today, I didn't just come to tell you that you don't know God. I've come to tell you that you can know God. I've come to tell you that you can be born again. I've come to tell you there's no experience like knowing God. There's no encounter like knowing God. There's nothing like your first love. Jacob met God at Bethel. It was his place of an experience with God and a great revelation. The ladder from heaven to earth or from earth to heaven is, is in essence, it's, it's God's connection from heaven to earth and we know the connection is Christ. Amen. Mercy built a bridge from man's depravity and the curse of sin and his death and, and darkness. Mercy built a bridge through Christ Jesus to get to heaven. Amen. That is the ladder. And God said there'll be ministering angels that'll come and go. In fact, we could have angels in our midst right here in this very room right now. The Bible says be careful because you could be entertaining angels unaware. I don't say that very often because I don't want people to worship angels. But I've come, we worship God. Amen. He is who is greater than the angels, who's superior, according to Hebrews, to the angels. But we know that there is a possibility that they may be in our midst. Hallelujah. I heard a woman one time she said, I came to church. She was in the hospital. She passed away. But she said while you were standing up behind the pulpit and you were preaching there were two huge angels behind you. I thought, praise God. Amen. I'm glad there's angels around about me. I'm glad. He said the angels are encamped around about those. Amen. That fear the Lord. Jacob met God at Bethel. It was his place of revelation. A ladder from earth to heaven is what God was saying to him. A ladder that is Christ. And God gave Jacob revelation. What was the revelation? Well, in, verse, in chapter 28, we find out what that revelation was. Verse 13 says, He said, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, thy land, the God of Isaac and the land where you lie, to thee will I give it to thee and to your seed. What was he saying? I am the God who has always been and the God I was to Abraham and Isaac. I am to you, Jacob. He said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Go and take that land. Don't stand there in fear. Amen. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Cross that Jordan. 
get to the other side. Don't sit there in defeat because Moses died. God didn't die. (laughs) He's still alive. He's the great I am. And the great I am that told Moses to go to Pharaoh, told him, go in the power of I am. The I am will say, let my people go. He said, go and tell them, let my people go. There's great power in the word I am. He's not the great I was. He's the great I am. And he said, Jacob, even though he never said this, but even though you left and you did a lot of things you shouldn't have done, I still love you. I'm still following you. I'm on you. I'm still going to meet with you. Amen. Aren't you thankful that even in the times when you were acting stupid and foolish and doing things you shouldn't have done, God still loved you? Aren't you thankful that he still loved you? So he said, I am the God who's always been. In verse 14 he said, I'm the God of a covenant with you and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, the south. And in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. My God, blessing comes to us. It comes through us. Life begets life. In other words, God makes covenant with us through his son. He changes our life. And everywhere we go, we can see that blessing bestowed upon people as they come under the same covenant. There is no blessing without the covenant. But if they come under that covenant, your children will serve God like you do. Your children will worship God like you do. Your children will experience the blessing like you do. Kevin and Crystal serve God. I'm using them as an example. And old Caitlin comes down, them hands in the air, tears streaming down her face. She's praising and she's worshiping God. You know why? Because Kevin serves God. And you know why Kevin serves God? Because his daddy serves God. His dad lived for God. That covenant just went from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Your seed will beget the same seed. Bethel's an awesome place. It's where God revealed those things to you. Woo! Woo! God gave Jacob promises. Not only did he tell him, I'm the God who is, I am, I'm also the God of covenant. But I'm the God who gives covenant promises. Amen. If this tie is crooked, I don't care. In verse 15, he said, and behold. In other words, check it out, Jake. Look into it, buddy. Watch this. Behold. When God tells you to behold, you need to listen and look up. Behold. I am with thee. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I heard of a a man when Sister Skiles and I were in 
uh, a Havasu and I'm working out in the gym. I'm all by myself. That's the way I like it. I don't want nobody making fun of me, looking at me. I just want to be left alone. And I'm in there, and this guy came in and interrupted my workout. But thank the Lord, I was almost done. And so he started talking, and he was one of those guys that talks and talks and talks and talks and never quit talking. And I thought, Lord, how am I going to caboose this thing? After about 15 minutes, I thought, Lord. And, and, and when I told him, you know, I was a Christian then he, and a pastor, then all of a sudden his language cleaned up. That was nice. Amen. Oh, pastor, people shouldn't cuss in front of you. They shouldn't cuss in general, but they do when they're not saved. And let me tell you something. If that frightens you, you better just go find a bench to, to sit down on because you're not going to be in ministry unless you can be around there. all types of people. Amen. People, people that going back to this, thank you, Lord. Going back to this, I'm in there and I'm working out. This guy's talking to me and he shared a story with me. We were talking about guns and all that. And he said, I always carry my gun up in Northern California. He lived. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, here he is. And he said, I was coming in and I got gas in my truck. And he said, I saw this white, this little girl. She's putting gas in her Honda and she's out there and she's just kind of dancing, you know, little bitty girl. She couldn't have been 19. And he said, all of a sudden this white van pulled up right beside her and he said the slid open the door I watched it right in front of my eyes slid open that door and he said this man put a ski mask over his face and he jumped out and he said something before they even got there when I saw him pull up just told me get your gun out and he said I pulled my gun out and he said when I saw that they were getting ready to grab her and he said I jumped out of that car and he said I pointed that gun right there at the windshield of the driver. He said, oh, ski mask got in his van. They flew over the median and drove down, almost flipped their van. And he had a few expletives too. But he said they flew down the road. He said they almost crashed. They couldn't get out of there quick enough. And that little girl just looked at him, what just happened? He said, honey, you almost got kidnapped. You almost got sex trafficked and picked up and sold. And when he told me that, something went in me. God said there was somebody praying for her. Somebody was praying, a grandma, a mother, a sibling. Somebody was praying, God, get a hold of her. Save her. Keep her. Protect her. Somebody. Because only God could create an environment where that man who never went to that gas station happened to be there with his gun at the same time to protect that girl. God said somebody was praying for her that really knew how to pray. God said, I am with thee, Jacob. I'm with thee. How many times in your life God has been with thee when you weren't even where you needed to be? But he said... Behold, I am with thee. And he's with, I believe, as you pray for your seed. Because there's been times they've been out there running amok, but God spared them. Some of you are saying, not my kids, none that you know about. Not that you know. Because there's a lot of things we all did as kids that our parents still don't know about. Let's keep it under the blood. But he said, behold, I am with thee. 
And I will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, and I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. What was God saying? Jacob, I've got a promise that I'm giving to you. Covenant, I'm giving to you. I'm telling you about my character that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I've given you a promise. I've given you a promise that I'm with you, my presence. I'm giving you a promise that I will keep you, which is my protection. I'm giving you a promise that I will bring thee again into the land and I will preserve you till you get there and bring you into that preservation. Church, Bethel is an awesome place. It's a place where God meets us. Jacob covenanted with God after he heard that. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible says in verse 20, and Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my Father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And and the stone, he said, which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Where is God's house where God's presence is? Bethel is a place of landmark covenant and exchange. For you old veteranos, saints in the Lord, Verse 16 says, And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. Have you ever said, Lord, I remember you touched me, but I really didn't know what happened to me. I remember when God saved me and touched me, but I really can't tell you that I know or can define or explain what happened to me, but I knew something did. Surely the presence of the Lord was there, and I didn't even realize what had taken place. Why, why did I say that to you? Because I believe that that place of Bethel, of course, is the place where we met God and knew His presence and its reality, but don't quite understand or can't exactly explain it. But it's been something that you have always needed to come back to for God to meet you again. The old preacher said, and it's not very, you know, the grammar isn't good. But he said it's better felt than telt. Sorry, Francis and Becky. You can't explain it, but you know God did something in you. So don't ever forget what God did. Amen. In verse 18 through 19, it's the place where God shows you the reality of how He can touch your rocky life. In verse 18, it says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at first. You know, 
Before I came to Christ, my pillow was a stone. Everything was rocky in my life. And it was in yours too. Maybe today you're going through rocky situation. Maybe today you say, I can't get any sleep at night. My conscience isn't clear and I don't have any peace. And I'm just at a rocky place. I just, in my life, I... I, I just, I'm not, I don't have peace. I don't have happiness. I don't have any direction. Jacob got all of that at Bethel. There's no peace. I just feel depression, and I try to hide it. I've taken pills for it. I've tried to breathe and meditate and do everything that they tell me to do. The only one that can give you real peace is the, is the Prince of Peace. Let me just share something with you. They don't sell it in jars and cans down at Walmart. You have to have the peace that only God can give that passes all of your understanding. And there's no peace like laying your head down on a pillow at night and going to sleep. Amen. But Jacob said, the things that I've done have brought a hard place for me. It's shown me that my life is a mess it's rocky. Everything is just not smooth and well and going well for me. Well, I've got an answer for you today. God wants to meet you at Bethel. Maybe today it's your day for your Bethel moment. And this is what happened. Where I'm trying to make peace appear, it's only a stone. But you have to realize something that God knows how to anoint the situation that you're in and break the yoke and make that horrific place a testimony that you can say as a memorial of what God has done in my life. He takes your mess and makes a message out of it. He takes your test and makes a testimony out of it. Amen. Amen. He makes your disappointments turn into anointing and appointments that God can use. Amen. Are you hearing me today? Jacob said it's a rocky place. It's a stony place. It's a place that I was here. But God met me and said, there's only one direction from here that you can go. And, but there has to be a change. And he said, when God met him and gave him revelation, told him who he was, told him he would covenant with him, told him he'd be the same God to him that he was to his forefathers, he said, surely the presence of the Lord was here. Amen. And I'm going to anoint this rock because from this moment on change is going to come in my life I know that Jacob went through highs and lows and times in his life but I also know this God was bringing him to a place where he changed his name and changed his character because Jacob had a character he's crooked as a dog's hind leg supplanter he's so crooked you could screw him in the ground Where you realize only the anointing is going to break that yoke or make that hard place tolerable. Life has its issues. It has its rocky moments. But God knows how in the valley of Baca to make it a well. Did he not say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. He never took him out of the shadow of death. He brought him through it. Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. He said, but I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, 
begin to strengthen the brethren, begin to preach to them. Because I can tell you until we are right and we have that life and that confidence and faith and the word of a testimony, we don't have nothing to say, but whenever God has done something in us, we got a lot to say. Because the very evidence and fruit of what Christ did on Calvary's cross is operating in our lives. Was it not Jesus that said, Come unto me all ye that are heavy laden, burdened down, labor, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You got to come to him and you got to surrender it all to him. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to sit here and act like that. Coming to Christ, you take off a yoke and you're not responsible for anything. No. You, 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 you take on a different kind of a yoke. It's a yoke of fellowship. It's a yoke of oneness with God. It's a yoke, amen, where he carries the load. But you're there in faith along with him, trusting in him. My God, a lot of people think just come to get saved and then I don't have to do anything. No, you've now signed up for a life in Christ Jesus. Live that way. Live that way. He's called you to something great. Oh, how our Bethels are so needed and they're awesome. That glorious place must be remembered because Satan wants to destroy us. Rob us of our joy of salvation. Rob us of our life in God. Rob us of our first love. This was Jacob's case. Clearly, God was with him though. And even blessed him. Sure, he reaped what he sowed. I can tell you, even as a Christian, you know, we always want to reap the blessing when we've sown in obedience. But when we sow in disobedience... Devil, you're a liar. Isn't that the truth? Whenever we sow to the things in obedience, we're like, my blessing's on the way. Yeah, hallelujah. And then it comes and you're like, I'm reaping what I've sown. But then you do something stupid and you get yourself in a mess and then you're like, the devil's a liar, pastor. I'm like, well, now back up here, Turbo, just a second. Just remember, you're the one that broke the law. You're the one that got in trouble. You're the one that did what you did to destroy your marriage. You're the one that did all these things. You're the one. Now you have to begin to deal with the consequences of it. Can God change it? Yes, he can. He can change it. He can turn the consequences around and get glory out of it. But church, listen, Jacob still had to reap what he sowed. He deceived his dad. He deceived his brother. And guess what? Whenever he works seven years, he's waiting for old Rachel, amen, to come into that tent. And he woke up in the morning and he got a cockeyed Leah. Oh, well, come on now. I didn't write it. I'm just preaching it. What? This ain't no sister-wife deal here. He said to Laban, you deceived me. But he forgot was he deceived two people. And the Lord just gave that to me, doubly deceived. Well, he had to work again. And he got Rachel. God blessed him. 
But Laban changed his wages ten times. Every time he turned around, his boss was saying, well, you know, I know I told you I was going to give you a buck more an hour, but it's going to be more like a quarter. Then another year passed by. He said, I know I told you I'd give you a little bit more, but, you know, ain't going to happen this time. He changed his wages ten times. Ten is always a number for judgment. Ten plagues. Just go through the Bible. It's there. It's all there in the numerics. I don't say numerology. I say numerics. But we reap what we sow. Amen. If you don't pay your bills, your credit score is going to go down. And we always blame everybody. Well, you know that report ain't correct. I'm like, your credit report is so low. The number's so low, you got to have a cosigner to pay cash. And it clearly, you know, you didn't just skip a month. You got 120. In fact, they charged them off. You can't blame somebody for what you did. God is saying to you and I, though, that he can turn that around and it be turned to our blessing and favor. So if you're sitting here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I've had my Bethel moments, but I got off track. And here I am, and I'm in a mess. Get back to Bethel. Get back to that place where God will remind you that he's the same. He's the covenant keeper. And let me tell you something. I don't even care if it involves a person in your life. God knows how to touch the heart of the person. He knows how to touch the heart of somebody, and it may take a little time, but if you'll pray and you'll keep being consistent and you'll keep serving God, then maybe perhaps as he's changing their heart, he's giving you credibility in their eyes because God looks on the heart, man looks on the outward, and you can't change the dynamic of that. So what you're going to have to do is, oh, and we always say, well, God forgave me. Yes, he did, but it's going to take a little longer sometimes for people to believe in you amen so it's very important that we come back to that place of Bethel and we say God I'm going to commit myself to you I'm going to remember the covenants that were made I'm going to remember the vows I'm going to remember the God that you are I'm going to remember these things and I'm going to believe you that no matter what I'm not going to stop praying for you to bring restoration deliverance, healing a miracle in my behalf it's going to happen he's faithful So he reaped what he sowed. He reaped with Leah, with Laban. His own daughter was raped. His sons deceived Shechem. And they slew Hamor and Shechem in chapter 34. And all the males that were there in Shechem. That's why there was such fear of Jacob and his family. Because they said, These people here, man, they told us they were going to make a covenant with us. And they told us that their their people and our people would mesh together. 
But all of our men had to be circumcised. And so we signed up for that. And, and, and three days into the healing process of being circumcised, they came in when we didn't have any strength. And we were rolling over in the fetal position in pain because of the surgery of circumcision. And they said, and they slew everybody, all the males, not everybody, but all the males. And Jacob said, my goodness, Levi, I can't even remember the other one, but he said, you, two boys, have made me to stink in this land. We got to get out of here. And you know what God said? He said, Jacob, it's time to go back to Bethel. He realized, as God told him in chapter 35, go back to Bethel. Why do I need to go back to Bethel? Because, you know, this is, I'm, I'm getting ready to, 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 to say something here that everybody needs to listen, especially you that have been serving God for a long time. I know from experience that there are things down deep in us and our nature and in who we are that have never been dealt with. We let God deal with all these other things, but then he gets to this and we go, no, 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 no. Don't touch that. I don't want you to touch that. It's like them people that are on hoarders. They start throwing all this stuff away. And then they start to, oh, no, 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 don't touch that. The whole house is a mess. It's all got to go. Don't touch that. That's how we are with God. And he says, you need to let me get in there and deal with those places. You know why you're always jealous? Because you've always been jealous. You never let God put his finger on that. You know why you're still dealing with deep lust? Because you never dealt with that deep lust. You want to know why you lie all the time? Because you ain't never dealt with lying in 20 years. And God is saying, get back to Bethel, liar, and let me deal with your life. There are things way down deep inside of you. You know why you're so inferior and you deal with that and insecurities? Because you've always been that way. You know why you can't surrender? You've never surrendered. And God is saying, you got to come to Bethel. Let me deal with you. There are people that have never been in this altar. Never. And they've come to this church for years. Pastor, you want everybody in the altar. I want everybody to meet with God. He said, Jacob, it's time you go back to Bethel. And guess what? He had years and years of compromise in his life that his children took on as just normal. Because the things, listen parents, the things that we compromise, our children accommodate. They say, we're going to make room for this. There's nothing wrong with drinking. Mom and dad kind of, let me tell you something. I don't care who you are in here, what you believe. I'm going to tell you right now, 98% of the Bible is negative concerning drinking. And people take one or two little scriptures and they make it fit into what they want to do. And my, my answer to you is, okay, so you may be able to take a sip of wine, okay? But at what point you become inebriated, you don't know. And the moment you cross over that line, you're in sin. So the question is, why would you even want to? Okay? 
And that goes for anything else. It's better to stay away from it. There's so many scriptures. People say, well, what about this scripture? What about that scripture? I said the two scriptures. What about the 30 other ones that speak of it in a negative sense? What about Noah getting drunk? And his, we heard it from, from Brother Ben and how his, his boys began to, you know, bring sh- the one brought shame. Ham brought shame. What about, you know, Lot's children? His two daughters that got him drunk to commit incest. What about when David, uh, Judah, all of them just go through the Bible. What about every time that there was alcohol involved and then there was, you know, sin that was involved. David got Uriah drunk trying to get him to go down and that was all part of the manipulation. You come into the New Testament, and if it brings a reproach or it brings uh, where somebody struggles with it because they see you, he says, don't even touch it. What about Proverbs when he said, wine, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Run from it. But there's other things people... They, they, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, they allow things, parents allow things in their home, and then they wonder why their children are bound by things. I said, what you compromised, your children accommodated. It's become something that's okay with them. Okay? And people can say, well, you're legalistic. I'm not legalistic because I can tell you if the behavior that our children have brings them to an altar where they are bound by the devil something went wrong somewhere to get them there to get them to that place we're to separate ourselves and 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 i'm 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 a classical pentecostal preacher if you don't like that you're in the wrong church but i'm gonna preach and you will thank god that you had somebody that was breathing down your neck and telling you, this is the way, walk in it. There's a heaven to gain, a hell to shun. Stay away from it. My goodness. Almighty God. But the things that he compromised, his children accommodated. That's why his boys went and did what they did. He told them in Genesis 35, I'm getting ready to close here. Stay with me. I know you're all shocked. But stay here with me. God said unto Jacob, Arise, verse, verse 1 of 35, Go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when you fled from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you. That's idolatry. Strange gods. Amen. Strange gods. Strange gods. There's a lot of strange things going on in this world. A lot of strange things. You got to be careful. There's strange things on everything, it seems like. Clothes you wear, things you eat, things you drink. Come on. I, 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 what it, was it I saw the other day? It was a, like a truck with, a, with the alcoholic beverages and it had a demon on it. I thought, it's right there in front of people. <laughs> you know? Ain't no shame in the devil's game anymore. Amen. Ain't no shame in it. Uh, There's a there's a a new, um, and the only reason I know is because I saw it uh, as a commercial while I was walking the treadmill at the gym. I saw a commercial, 
and 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 it's it's put out by Hulu, and 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 it's 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 Demon Child. And 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 they're using words and 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 definitions of people's names like Antichrist. It's it's unbelievable. A, a, a Louisiana congressman or senator was like, "Is everybody seeing this? Are we just completely not even paying attention that what's right here before us? My God! Oh, but let me get back to this. I got to close." He said, get rid of the strange gods. Get rid of those strange gods. Put them away. And be clean and change your garment. And arise. Let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God. Who answered me in the day of my distress. And was with me in the way which I went. And they, his children, gave unto Jacob all the strange gods. Which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak, which was at Shechem. What does that mean to you and I? I'll tell you what it means. It means that God wants you and I to take the things that are absolutely displeasing to Him and that are strange gods and earrings of bondage. Because I'm not saying that you can't wear earrings, lady. What I'm, ladies. What I'm saying to you is this, that they represent servitude. Even in the positive, in the Old Testament, if you were a bond servant, your ear was bore with an earring. It was actually directed at men, okay? But there are people that are bound by the world, and they've got all of the markings all over them. And he said, put away those things. Put away those strange gods. Put away those things that you're worshiping. Put away all of that stuff. Change your garment. And they took all that. Jacob said, bring it all here. He piled it up. He dug a ditch. And he dumped it in there right before the tree. That represents the cross. Everything has to be brought to the cross and left at the cross. Because earrings represented bondage. Strange gods, idols, garments represented identity and covering. And he said in verse 7, after the altar is established. This is what he recorded. He said, and he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel. That's very interesting because El Bethel is a little bit different than Bethel. Bethel. Uh, El Bethel is actually greater than Bethel. It's a place called the God of the house of God. It's one thing to be the house of God. And to say, I've made Bethel here. I've met God here. But now he said, I know or am, am connected to the God of the house of God. See, it's not just enough to come to the house of God. We've got to know the God of the house. We must. It's more than going to church. You've got to know the God of the church. The God of your faith. The God of the Bible. In verse 14, he said, And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon and poured oil thereon. Now it's the oil of the Holy Ghost, and it's a drink offering. Amen. It's a drink offering which represents the blood. Represents the blood. Do you know how I know God's telling me to say this. Do you know how I know 
that the wine that Jesus made was not fermented? Because God would never use corrupt blood. It's impossible to redeem somebody with corrupt blood. Little leaven levels the whole lump. The fermentation levels it all. It affects it. It's corrupt. And he said, we were purchased not with corruptible things, but with the incorruptible blood. And that blood represents the perfect spotless blood of Jesus that can cleanse. You can't take tainted blood or otherwise you and I or a blood of goat or lamb could have redeemed us and it couldn't. We had to be redeemed by the perfect spotless blood of Jesus. So set, settle that in your spirit. The drink offering and the oil represented, obviously, redemption through the blood. Because you meet God at a place of Bethel, but it's so much different when you meet the God of redemption. Christ is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And the oil represents, obviously, the Spirit of God. The power of God. You know, there are people that are drawn by the Spirit of God, but they've never really come to the place where they've understood being washed in the blood. We must be washed in the blood. We must. And so he said, now I've come to a new understanding of Bethel. See the progression of God in your life, how he brings us closer and closer and closer in understanding. I understand a lot of things today that I didn't understand 29 or sorry, 32 years ago when I got saved. I was saved in 1990 at 17. I understand things now. And he said that pillar there, that stone, that which was a type of your old life, God has covered that with his blood. He's, you're on top of that. You're walking on top of that by the power of the Spirit. In other words, that place of Bethel is a place of redemption. It's a place of the power of God. It's a place of testimony of what God has done in my life. And he said, we're going to go back there because we forgot some things. We forgot that he's the God who will redeem us. We forgot. And that's why Jacob said, children, get rid of all this stuff has to go by way of the cross. It's now a different place. He became a product of the blood. Restoration of joy. Restoration of ministry and healing. I close with this, I promise you. The man that was beaten and almost killed on the Jericho Road was passed by several people, a priest, publican, But then a good Samaritan came and poured oil and poured wine in him to soothe him. We must, we must learn from this. Our seed is not just our children. It's everything that comes from us. If you got saved in this church, the very Abrahamic promise, the, the covenant promise of seed Producing seed, producing and producing. Life begets life. It's the life of Christ. It's the promise of Abraham, but Christ fulfilled that. And the promise of Christ in you and me 
is, is the redemption and salvation. And the only way that comes is as we begin to preach that and minister that to people. And there they be, become a fruit or a product of our life. That's why he said, your seed shall be greater than the dust of the earth, the sand of the, of the seashore, the stars of the atmosphere of the sky. We are, we, we, we are the ones that, that from our life comes that. If you're sitting here this morning and you got born again in this church, that promise came to pass in your lifetime. Not 6,000 years ago, today. Some of you sitting here this morning, you've never been to Bethel. God wants to meet you at Bethel. Some of you this morning, you have been to Bethel, but you lost your way. And God emphatically told me two different times, you preach that Sunday morning. And he clearly anointed me to preach it. And he said some things this morning you need to listen to. Some of you need to come back to your Bethel. Maybe you say, Pastor, you know what? I'm telling you, I've prayed up. I'm all right. Praise God. Stay there. Stay there at Bethel. Don't forget that place because it's the place where the bread of life is. Bethlehem is where Jesus was born. He's the bread of life. Come back to that place where it's not just going through the religious motions, but I know the God of that religion, of that faith, of that place. Amen. Father, this morning, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. You're such a good God. And I pray in this altar this morning that you will minister to every heart and every life. There are folks here this morning, Lord, and they don't know you. But God, I'm seeking you this morning to draw them by your spirit. Almighty God, that you would, that you would today draw by your spirit. Church, God's dealing with folks. This is your day. This is your time. This is your appointment this morning. He is here. He will minister to you in a powerful way, in a mighty way, in a glorious way. Father, today come. Come, Lord, minister to every life and heart. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. It's your first time here. I want you to know we invite you. God invites you to come to this altar. He invites you this morning to come to this altar to meet him. Yes.